What's up, everybody? This is Josh coming to you with another episode of the Affiliate Marketing Show. Please be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to stay up to date on all the latest affiliate marketing news, tips, and trends. I'm Josh from OfferVault.com, the industry's leading aggregator of affiliate networks, affiliate offers, direct advertisers, and all things affiliate marketing. Again, we have Mr. Paper Call, Adam Young, and the industry legend, Harrison Gewurz. We're just rocking it, the three boys today. What's up, guys? How we doing? Life is good, dude. You notice behind me right now, I have a different painting because I live in a different place. <laughs> I've moved three times in the last couple of months. Crazy. Very nice Harrison. art. Yeah, Harrison, oh, not, not, not the impressive backdrop, but... Uh, we can step it up next week, maybe. Adam, I want to hear about Contact IO. I uh, I know the show is a hit. I've been seeing a lot of stuff about it on Instagram from people that were there, and in particular, I heard that your keynote speech was a big hit, and people were very pleased with the message you had to deliver. So I'd love to hear a little bit about the show itself, some takeaways that you found at the event, and then also talk to us a little bit about your keynote specifically in terms of the content that you were delivering. Yeah, so contact.io was pretty cool. And what I will say is it definitely grew year over year, which is exciting because it's specifically focused on paper call. And that means that the industry as a whole is growing. And so obviously that's super exciting to us as we continue to invest a significant amount of resources in uh, growing the industry as a whole. And so I thought the event was super productive. It was really unique for Harrison and I because we have a lot of salespeople that are based in Tampa, Florida, and there was a hurricane that came through and everyone on our team is fine and it's all good, but all their flights were canceled. So Harrison and I got to rock the booth by ourselves. We still uh, got it. We still got it. Yeah, we still got it, baby. We still got it. Um, And so I'm, I'm actually really grateful for the hurricane. Um, obviously our sales team does an amazing job. They're much better at this than, uh, Harrison and I are obviously it's, it's what they do, but we both got to connect with so many customers and prospects in a really unique way because of this, we were, we were forced to do new sales, um, and, and man the booth the entire time. So I ended up canceling a bunch of meetings that I had and, really spent a lot of time at the booth interacting with the folks at the show. And and I'm really grateful for that experience. I don't think enough, and I've talked about this before, but I don't think enough CEOs generally take the time to even go to the trade shows. And so this really forced us to go back to our roots. And I even said to Harrison there, I was like, this is kind of funny. It's like the first trade show where it was just you and me um, at the booth. And to be fair, we had Jenny there, but she works... Uh, on a different product line than Ringba. We had Chad there, who's a marketing team member and doesn't do sales or really know our our product the same way. And uh, Greg was there and also did a great job, but he does uh, videography and photography and and stuff like that. So uh, the five of us sort of pinch hit it, and I think it it was super productive. Uh, I encourage anybody uh, that's in calls to go to contact.io next year. It's a pretty tight show but it's um, it's really great. You get to spend a lot of time with people and, and truly develop the relationships. Uh, on the keynote, um, really grateful for Michael and Sarah for letting me do that. I think I brought a different level of energy and a different type of keynote to the event that our industry hasn't seen before. They're usually very focused on 
sort of trends in the industry and, and things that are industry related. And I opened with a story about how I got into performance marketing, which was a really brutal process. It starts with me on the floor of a jail cell in Michigan, uh, passed out after getting arrested for a DUI when I was 21 years old, so about 20 years ago. And at the time, I was going door to door in downtown Detroit, banging on bulletproof glass, selling phone service on commission only to businesses and uh, living in my parents' basements. And so I would go out and do that all day, every day, and then come home at night and try and make money on the internet. And so I spent a lot of time opening with that story and going into the details of the pain and the suffering. And I prefer not to, to do that again right now, but um, I think it was really amazing to connect with people in, in that way because it sort of passed along the message that if you work hard, that anyone can come into our industry and find success. All they have to do is really put their mind to it and commit. And I truly believe that because when I got into the industry, I, I literally had nothing. I had no money. I had no education. I had no skills. Um, and I had to build all of those and, and figure it out on my own. And so um, the audience engagement was amazing. And I think when I explained that the reason we built Ringba is because we wanted to give back to the industry that, I mean, on a personal level, essentially saved my life, um, but also, you know, helped Harrison grow and, and become an amazing person as well. And so when we found founded Ringba, it was just super important to us that we built something that provided opportunities for our industry to grow. And then I shared a bunch of statistics, which I'm not going to publicly share on this podcast, but essentially paper call is alive and well, and people are making billions of dollars. And so um, that to me and being a part of providing that type of scale of opportunity to an industry that uh, lifted me up when I was young uh, was, was pretty incredible. And I'm grateful for all the people that came up to me afterwards and told me their stories. And so Josh, you know, I, I know that you, you've uh, had some trials and tribulations in your life in the past. Harrison has too. I have. And it was really heartwarming to have all these people come up to us uh, after the keynote and tell us their story and how they struggled uh, and also created a life for themselves in performance marketing. So it was a, a very different type of event than a general keynote at one of these things. Um, a lot of people got engaged and and I'm just super thankful for the opportunity to to share my story. Um, it was hard, but it was great. Yeah, have you ever taken that? It was it was unique, Adam. You went you you opened and made yourself vulnerable, which I think makes people watching comfortable. Yeah, I was gonna say, have you ever taken that route before, where you've gotten so deep on your past like that, or was this kind of a first? Um, I'm I'm pretty open about it if I'm one on one with people and they ask, but. I haven't gone that deep on a personal level that publicly before. You know, there were hundreds of people in the room. And, uh, but I, what I will say is, and I, I learned this the first time, this was my first keynote. And when I walked out on stage and I opened with that level of, of vulnerability, I've never seen a keynote audience at a presentation like that um, give such clear focus to the presenter no one was on their phone, no one was distracted, everyone was paying attention. And 
what I learned from that is when you're vulnerable and you allow people into your life in that kind of way, they, they really give you the focus and attention that you're looking for. I think all of us crave the human connection and all of us uh, want to know like, hey, I can do something too. And, and to, to realize that um, other people suffered and worked hard to get where they are, I, I think is, is really powerful and allows people to connect. So um, I'm going to continue to do that regardless of how painful it, it actually is. I'm excited to do it too. I, ha I have a lot more stories like that, that I think people in our industry um, would really connect with. Yeah, I think it also just kind of develops a, a level of trust with the audience too. You know, if they can trust you're able to open up to them, they feel like they can open up to you. Um, I am curious, and then we'll get back to a couple questions about the speaking event itself. But, you know, you briefly mentioned like the period of time in your life when you were down and out. What was like the moment, if you recall, the first like memory where you got into this internet marketing space and paper call in general, like I know you said you were selling stuff, you know, and bulletproof glass windows and stuff, but what was like your, hmm, maybe I should, you know, go into this internet marketing world and pursue like a, a career in paper call. Was there like a specific time that you can recall back to being like the spark that started it all for you? Well, you know, the door to door was brought on by my first real business failing in a really big way and i had a lot of debt and i didn't have a choice no one else would give me a job and so obviously i did not want to go door to door as a career for like the rest of my life and so every night when i got home after that i would go down to my parents basement and try and make money on the internet and i did it in all sorts of ways i tried everything ebay stores and uh, click farms and you know college humor websites and you name it i tried to do it but it what happened it was it was serendipity josh i got an email from someone at a company called rocket profit they're gone now but it was owned by a public company called traffics at the time and they were offering um a dollar 25 for an email address in a co-reg uh path and i didn't think it was real uh but that night after i got the email that's when i stayed up all night and i tried to generate a lead and i woke up on the floor and like crawled over to my computer and there was one literally one lead the next morning i managed to get one conversion for dollar 25 and that was the moment where i was like i'm out i'm not doing door to door anymore like i don't know if these people will pay me but they're public i'll probably get paid i don't know but like i'm going to pursue um, this thing, because I just saw the opportunity so clearly and understood that there was no scale limitation, right? Because it's based on performance that these people don't care. They never asked. Like they were, they weren't like, how old's Adam? What's Adam's college degree? What's Adam's background? Like, what do, they don't care. All they care about is that you deliver uh, a customer lead or whatever the conversion is that. Uh, works out for them. And the rest of it is completely irrelevant. And that's why I fell in love with the industry because I had none of the other things. Like I had gone to a hundred job interviews and they're all like, yeah, you don't really have the experience. You don't have a college degree. You can't, uh, can't work here or, or whatever. We don't care if you're smart. Um, but in performance marketing, there was none of that. It was literally like, you're sure, lucky. Adam. You're lucky. Why? If you're under 18, people would not have given you the same Benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I, I remember people like, no, you're a child. Go fuck yourself. I'm like, dude, you're doing the same thing as Adam. Well, what wait, the I'm, hell? 
I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, Harrison, wait a second. We got to dive did, into that. Well, yeah. So how do you? How did you deal with that, Harrison? As a as a minor, how did you? How did you get yours? How did you find a way to, so, to like, work the I'll system? I'll just give an example and some true, true industry OGs. You're gonna know this name. Like there was like CPA Empire and Neverblue and some of the kind of tier one affiliate networks out there, and like. They would just like give me a shitty payout because they're like, who the fuck is this kid? Neverblue wouldn't even work with me until I went to AdTech and introduced someone to my dad at AdTech San Francisco, I think 2006 or five, okay, in San Francisco at the Moscone Center. But there was this network called Milnick Media, which literally, if you know Milnick Media, you've been around for a long time and you probably were up to no good when you ran shit to Milnick Media, okay? Like shout out to Dan and Jeremy. I don't even remember your last names. I don't know if you're in the industry, but you know what's up. And they just essentially had 100% brokered offers from other networks. And we're like, we'll work with this fucking kid. Who cares? We got a bunch of kid affiliates, let's ride. And so <laughs> literally that's real. Um, but as, as my, you know, pursuit of this industry, you know, grew, I slowly kind of learned to talk the talk and walk the walk. And then people would start to work with me. And then something that was unique about me, especially as a kid, it's like, I always wanted to be direct. So I remember being like 14 or 15 years old and meeting Jenny Adam. And at the time she was working for like what, what was value click, but it was like rewards gateway, which was like their email submit offers. And then I worked with her for a while. She went on to global wide. I worked with her there, but like, you know, I think the first time I, I pitched Jenny on my track, she was like, you are a child. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I get it. I was legitimately a fucking child. So it's fair. Um, but that's things, just what it was. And did it things took change years. Like when you turned 18, did yeah, things especially change? When I started like going to trade shows. When I started going to trade shows, making myself seen, people saw that I was like real. I think that made a big difference. And then, you know, I I guess when I first started, all I needed was weekly payments. And then I finally hit this place where like I wanted weekly payments. But if you were like, hey, we want to make sure this isn't fraud for a month or two, I'd be like, okay. And that really smoothed things over. Um, but it was tough. Like people just didn't want to work with a kid. They're like, this is a liability. We're going to need your dad to sign our terms and conditions. And for those of you that don't know, my dad's like a finance guy. He wouldn't even let me have friends jump on the trampoline for fear of liability. So <laughs> he was like, I'm going to get fucking sued. Absolutely not. Am I signing your terms of conditions for so-and-so internet LLC? No. And I'm like, dad, come on. This isn't the trampoline. No one's necks getting broken. But that's, that's think, a true story. I think I know how you can corner the industry. You need to hold masterminds where you just invite like underage kids who want to be internet no. marketers. <laughs> no, no. And I'm going to say we check ID at our events. No. <laughs> no too close to home <laughs> adam i want to i want to pass it back to your keynote real quick because i think a lot of people watching this can kind of get a lot out of the actual speaking aspect and your experience there whether they have their own speaking event coming up or whether they just feel very uncomfortable with public speaking in general so when you're doing a, a speaking gig like this um what's your goal what are you trying to accomplish? What do you want the people listening to you to walk away with? 
So it's interesting you ask that question. My goal whenever I give any type of presentation, whether it be a keynote like I just did or one of our mastermind events or whatever, is the same as actually Ringba's first value, which is to lead. And part of that core value, and it's it's my first core value as a human, um, It's that's where it comes from, is that I want to leave everybody off better um, than where I found them. Like that's, that's one of my core values for everything. And so when I think about this, I, I go, who's in the audience? How do I give them something that leaves them off better than where I found them? And so this differs with the size of audience, obviously, you know, in a mastermind event, if there's 25 CEOs, I'll send out some type of survey to figure out whether or not they're sharing the same problems or challenges or whatever is going on in their business and then focus on that. But in a bigger audience, like at contact.io, when there's hundreds of people there, um, you know, the, the thing that ties everybody together is their motivation and ambition and what they want to accomplish in the space. And so my goal for that is to have them leave um, more motivated than when they walked into the room, more excited about the opportunity that they have when they walked into the room. And then some key insights that they didn't have before that they can think about when they're building their business or working on some sort of new product or new campaign or, or whatever it is. And so a very specific example for that is like at Ringba, we have an idea of industry scale that other people don't because of all the data we have. And so um, after I told the motivational story to hopefully inspire people, and I believe it did, I then transitioned to some statistics that they could look at to go, wow. So they start with, oh my God, I can do this too. I'm inspired. Like I have the opportunity. And then, whoa, look how big the opportunity actually is. Um, and so then everyone who walks out of the room is then excited for the rest of the conference. They they believe that the opportunity is bigger than they thought it was, because generally it is, right? Opportunity is usually much larger than people think they are um, when you when you think about scale. And then they were excited about the opportunity. And so that actually to me and, and most people, if you think about it, is really leaving someone off better off than than where you found them. So they come to the conference, they get up early, they go to the keynote, they're not expecting something like this, and then you give it to them, the rest of their day, they're more energized, they're excited, um, they're thinking about these things. And so every human being that they interact with for the rest of the day or the week, their team member, their loved one, the other people at the conference, exhibitors, sponsors, potential opportunities, like the whole thing, their clients, um, they're more energized, they're more excited, which will actually result in more connection, more opportunity, more deals getting done. Um, and so the butterfly effect on this is extremely hard to track. But uh, if someone is excited and and motivated at an event like that, they will get more business out of it. And so um, that ultimately is the goal for when I speak, at least. Obviously, I approach this in a really unique way, um, but I think I, I truly accomplished that goal and the energy that morning across the entire conference was actually fantastic. Is there like a formula that you follow? Because you mentioned like as you were speaking, it kind of sounded like a formula, but maybe like you don't even look at it that way. But you're like started with a motivational story. Then I moved to statistics and stuff like that. Is that like something you're conscious of every time 
you do a speaking event? Is there some sort of formula that you follow that other people might be able to like incorporate into their own experience? Um, it totally is. It is a formula. I think that most presenters don't realize how powerful uh, the hero's journey is, the story is, and being vulnerable and sharing their story is. It connects all of us together. And most people, especially at our industry events, do not do that. And so I think that is the most important thing of any presentation. You don't even need to give statistics or value or connect it together. None of that matters if you're not telling a story. If there's not a gripping story or at least an interesting story uh, in a presentation, then the rest of it is entirely irrelevant. Like people, people are not interested. You first, you have to capture someone's attention and make them want to listen to you and trust you before you get to whatever message you're trying to deliver. And so that's step one. Um, step two is also weaving in little stories. Um, as you go through the presentation. So there's like all sorts of different things that you really need to focus on. I think the biggest one is the story. Um, but the the way I think about it is it starts with who's giving the introduction? How's the introduction to you getting on stage going to be? Who is the audience? What's the story that connects you with them? How do you transition to something impactful? Then you have to make all the slides really simple to go along with that. And then, of course, what's the purpose, the close of the message? And then um, how do you speak? What's the intonation of the language? What language are you using? Like, There's so many different pieces of this, and then you have to put it all together in, in real time. And so to give you an idea on prep uh, for this, I will think about all these things, and then it usually takes me, it took me uh, a month of thinking before the show, uh, two weeks of crystallizing it two weeks before the show. So I, I do it like right up until, and then the week before I'll make the slides. I know the conference organizers do not like my slide timing. I literally, they were like, give me the slides weeks early. And so I send them something. And then the night before I'm like, Hey guys, here are the real slides. Thanks. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you, do you run that, it? Adam. Do you run it like once through, or do you feel like it's no. better, yeah, because you kind of lose the energy if you do that when you're doing it live. I, I, I just like to add. Sentence. Yeah, go ahead. You know, Adam, I think it's it's so important. And we've seen, you know, we've seen people speak where they just go right into like flexing and, and talking about why, you know, their topic is correct or why they should you should do this or that. And it can still be educational content. But if you go in with a real story and show some vulnerability, it really just opens up the room and kind of takes away the tension or any awkwardness and makes it an atmosphere for learning. Um, and yes. connecting with people like, you know, I spoke at the Pelican event, same thing started where I was like at a pretty low spot in my career. And I think that made my point, it got my point across substantially more than if I just was like, hey, here's how you do this. Here's how you succeed business, build relationships, blah, blah, blah. Because like, who cares if you just talk about all the good? You got to talk about the bad and the ugly too, or it's just like a mirage. Well, Harrison, do you do, the, you know, you. do you do the same kind of prep like like Adam was saying, or, or are you more comfortable kind of just walking into it and speaking? I will say the one thing I did a little differently is, um, so I'm like really bad at putting pen to paper, but like me and Chad worked on uh, 
my speech that I did at Pelican where I pretty much just talked on like a zoom with him for a while. And then he took notes based on what I was saying. Cause I had the presentation in my head, but like I have like a writer's block where my brain just doesn't want to take it from pen from, from brain to paper. So then we created slides. Then, you know, Adam critiqued them. I critiqued them. We kind of made some changes. And then I did a, a run through where I actually recorded it with the audio watched myself which is torture um right you can't stand my voice Dude, it's yeah. terrible i'm sorry just... everyone that you have to listen it's fucked up <laughs> and uh you know that was kind of like my cycle and routine to do it and then when i got up there it just kind of flowed naturally and comfortably so pretty similar just the only difference is i did run through it like twice yeah i know yeah uh... i think i think to that Josh, just to comment on it first of all harrison did an amazing job at pelican um, and I think his connection to people really came through when he told his story. Same kind of thing. Like the whole room was captivated by the story. Even I was captivated by the story. And I know I know it intimately. Right. Like I was actually there with him during this portion of his life. And uh, but I was still captivated by it. And then the rest of the audience, they they really believe in what you're saying. And it's they, they're like invested in what you have to say at that point. So so Harrison did a phenomenal job doing that. And this is the type of thing that I think that most presenters at trade shows don't do. They don't put in enough prep. They don't think about how the audience is going to react to what they're saying. And so their message, while be it maybe amazing, they may have the most incredible information to offer the audience. The audience isn't absorbing it because they don't feel connected to the presenter. And that's that's really the most powerful thing you can do um, to make a presentation successful. And then also to obsess over it. I think Harrison is not telling the whole story there based on what I observed. Is he obsessed over this and like went through it multiple times, did tons of practice, was super concerned about doing a great job and connecting with people. And we're very oh, for sure. I, I I mean, I was I was like, dude, it, it can't suck. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, the dinner before the night before, I was like, dude, if this thing fucking sucks, I'm gonna be so pissed at myself. But then it's weird. Like I was so nervous, and then I remember being on the stage, and it was like 15, 20 minutes before, and I was like, what in the hell? I'm not nervous at all. I feel pretty good right now. Okay, I'm just gonna roll with this. And then I had a great time. And so I don't know. Yeah. I felt comfortable not common the last time i spoke was like quite a long time ago and i remember i was definitely a different kind of human more of an anxious fellow but i was like oh fuck so different different vibe and josh you know that the interesting thing is harrison and i did the same on-site prep which i don't see people do generally so we sh we you know for for his his keynote he opened at peloton um we showed up to the venue before anybody else Got him on stage, walked the stage, practiced, looked at the venues. How are people going to interact with it? What are they going to see? Where the, Where's the audience going to be located? Actually got him up on stage so that he could feel comfortable doing that beforehand. And, you know, the same kind of thing at LeedsCon, um, or excuse me, at uh, Contact.io. I went there much earlier than I needed to be. I got on stage. I walked the stage without people in the room. Um, I made sure that I understood where the audience was going to be sitting, how it was going to be, how it was going to feel, um, you know, talk, talk to the AV people, 
you know, they I was told I couldn't have speaker presenter view on the screen. I went and renegotiated with the AB people to get what I wanted so I could make it that way. Um, and and I don't see people do this, but it's it's so important, right? Like the impact is so important. And um, I think Harrison and I, you know, we're going to be hosting a lot of mastermind events soon. Some of our friends said that they want to get better at public speaking. I think some of the topics we're going to cover at these mastermind events are how to be better speakers, how to tell stories, how to connect with audiences. Um, and I just think it's really important to us to like help more industry people get better at this because we, it's how you change people's lives. You literally can change and remove their limiting beliefs while on stage and ship them off into the world with new opportunities and, and, and ideas. And um, it's just super cool to see those types of, of results. And it all comes from passion, preparation, really thinking all these things through. Yeah, you know, I know we didn't really plan on talking about this topic for as long, but I think there is a lot of value here. And I just have like one more question before we move on. But basically, what's your, this could be for both of you, what's your take on like interacting with the audience? I know you mentioned that as well as, um, you know, your stage strategy, how like, what do you focus on your body language, eye contact? Do you like to ask people questions in the middle of the speech to get them engaged? Um, what's your kind of approach there? Well, I'll take I'll take the visual approach and Harrison can talk about audience interaction. So when I when I walk on stage, um, you know, it, it, it's interesting. So you have an adrenaline rush, Josh. Right. And you really care about what you do. And there's all these people watching. So what some presenters will do is they'll get hung up on a podium and they'll stand behind the podium. A lot of people get shaky leg syndrome. A lot of people get super nervous. And so the first thing I do when I walk out uh, in any presentation, even at our mastermind groups, is I start to move. I pace, I move, I walk. I make sure that physically speaking, my body is moving the chemicals around and burning off the cortisol and the adrenaline. Uh, and I do that by moving. So at the contact keynote, I was back and forth across the stage the entire time. And the audience was wide. It was like a wide room. So that allowed me to move my head and my hands and my motion and connect with people across the entire audience. So I was moving the entire presentation. I was up there for 45 minutes. I did not stop moving or walking the entire time, which a lot of speakers do not do. And so if you clam up or you, 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 know, you grab the podium or you stay behind the podium, you lose all the emotion that comes out of movement. And then all those chemicals, the cortisol, it, it, it binds your body, your muscles up, you're tense. And so you don't connect. And so my strategy uh, around that, Harrison does a great job of this as well, is moving when addressing any type of audience and like not stopping. And then, you know, Har I didn't do any audience interaction. I didn't ask any questions, but Harrison did. And so he can he can touch on that. I, I will first just say that I think moving around is important. I can never sit still, even on this fucking podcast, I move around because I'm just a child with significant ADD and ADHD. I literally am like moving. I cross my legs. I'm crossing my legs. So keep moving. But with audience interaction, I would say that, um, you know, the most important aspect is you could do it, but it has to be good or you'll lose the audience. So when I, uh, when I try to kind of interact with the audience, there has to be some level of vulnerability from my side or the speaker's side to really connect and make the audience comfortable. So, you know, without going super, super detailed on my thing at Pelican, 
I asked who in the audience has had to fail, who has failed and started over. And, you know, the night before, I'll be honest, I joked with Adam, like, I wonder if the audience is going to be open and honest and we're going to see some hands or if egos are going to like block this and we're going to see no hands. And I was really happy to see that my message got across because a lot of people raised their hands and then, you know, they're in, they're invested in this, the presentation now because they know we're going to touch on something that might be a little bit difficult for me too. And that just makes people comfortable and really opens their eyes and makes them ready to like learn and experience, you know, what we're going to talk about. Real quick on that, you know, the opposite of what Harrison did, I think Harrison executed that beautifully, by the way, it was amazing. Like I raised my hand and he hadn't, um, but he did not engage the audience constantly. Like, I don't know if you did again, Harrison, maybe once or twice, but like, I remember that one for sure. And then you, you moved on from that and then used the engagement to uh, send your message across. Later in the day at Peloton, we saw the opposite of this, Josh, where one of the presenters kept asking question after question, asking people to raise their hand, like, how many people are doing this? What about this? And do you think this, yes or no, and whatever. And he asked so many questions that the audience was like, dude, I'm not going to keep raising my hand. Like, I'm not going to keep participating in this. You're being ridiculous. And so I think audience engagement, if you don't know how to control a crowd, don't do it like that guy. And if you're going to ask a question, make sure you think about the time to do it, how to do it, and then make the question impactful so people actually interact and then move on with the interaction. Like, Two in a row, maybe three in a row. You're like, uh, you keep asking questions or keep going for the interaction. You actually will lose the audience as well. And so, um, you know, it can be a, it can be a double edged sword. Harrison, I think the first one of the first interactions I ever had with you was me being like, hey, man, what are you up to? And you're like, oh, nothing, just working and pacing around my apartment right now. And I was like, oh, okay, dude, this dude, this dude likes to pace. <laughs> so that was very on brand. Um, I Look, did have- a I've considered buying like a rolling thing to pace while potting. I've really thought about it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like a little mini treadmill that you can stand on while, while doing it. I had a few other things I wanted to get to, but I think we'll actually save them for a future episode. This was kind of good, a, a deep dive on public speaking from, uh, two guys who know that topic very well. I would love to do this again next week, guys. How's that sound? You guys down? I'm in. We kind of do a weekly pod, Josh. That is true. And I'm Josh from AllForVault.com. He is Adam, the CEO and founder of Ringba, Mr. Paper Call, as well as the industry legend, Harrison Gewurz. Let's make that paper. Let's make that dough. This was the Affiliate Marketing Show. We will see you next time. Affiliate Marketing Show.